No suspects are in custody as the investigation at the scene continues. Rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. She isn't quite herself today. We all go a little mad sometimes. Whatever you do, don't make a choice. Welcome back to Film Underdogs. Today we're going to be talking with a local Portland cosplayer named Ryan Wells. He's done some really incredible work with costuming. Thought it would be a fun interview for the month of October. This is going to be split up into two parts, so you'll need to listen to both ends of it to get the whole story. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. How did you come to start doing the cosplay stuff and costumes? What took you from the basic Halloween stuff to major costumes like you do now? Well, being as it is October, Halloween is pretty much what got me started. It was the gateway drug into the cosplay community. I did a lot of costumes, obviously, for Halloween growing up. I was really creative. I did some theater. Outside of school, uh, I started working for local haunted houses, building sets and props and acting in those. But it's always been a backline creativity thing. Um, I was very obsessed with uh, movies uh, all throughout my childhood and adulthood. And uh, one of them that stuck out was Back to the Future. Um, I collected a lot of toys for it. And one day uh, I was homesick from work and staring at these toys that I'd been collecting for years and years and decided that if I put half the amount of effort that I did into these toys into the real car, I could actually have it. So... That's what I set out to do. I sold them all that night and uh, started building the DeLorean time machine. Uh, it took about a year and a half uh, worth of work to build all the props that go onto the car. Um, and though I did end up finishing the car, it also brought me to the convention scene. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, who had acted in the movie as Doc Brown, was coming to a convention in Seattle. Um, I never grew up with comic books or video games or anime or any other fandoms or genres inside a comic book convention, so never been interested in them in the past, but I heard that if you go to one of these things that you're supposed to dress up. So I was going to go to meet Christopher Lloyd to get him to sign one of my pieces, um, and uh, I threw on a trench coat and a hat and went as Silent Bob because that was the best <laughs> I could come up with. Uh, but when I went to this convention, I found a whole new world of people that were like-minded and had a blast, made a ton of friends, and I decided at that point that the next convention that comes up, I'm actually going to cosplay for real and actually make a costume. 
um, and I did, and that was at my local convention here in Portland for uh, Rose City Comic Con two years ago. I made a I made a cosplay, and the whole convention thing and the whole community and everything kind of just blew up in my face, and I've been going to everyone since, and love every minute of it. Still, uh, don't read comics, don't play video games, don't do anime, but at least now I know who every single character is just through friends and through other cosplayers and stuff like that, and I'm constantly striving to push my limits and learn new skills as far as being a builder and a cosplayer and see how far I can go with this uh, hobby. It's turning into a profession now, which I didn't expect in the beginning, but I'm still having fun with it. And like I said, just just going with the flow and seeing where it'll take me. Hmm, maybe you're my new inspiration. Because <laughs> I don't really like comic books. I mean, I appreciate them. Not into gaming, you know, either. But Halloween, I try to go all out. I don't want to buy a costume. I want to put it together. Yeah, definitely. Um. I think 99% of my costumes have to do with movies I, well, 90%, uh, have to do with costumes from films that I grew up with. Right. I think those get the biggest reaction, too, because when somebody finds me in costume, I'll automatically they're transported back to that age or that time in their life where they were involved with this movie uh, on, a, on an emotional level, and they can connect to me as a character um, I do a lot of creature cosplays. I, I don't just put on a dress and be Sailor Moon kind of thing. Like I'm, I'm all involved, <laughs> like masks and body contortions and all. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, I, I do mostly movies. People throw out a lot of suggestions of, oh, you should do this and you should do that. There's so much time and money involved with what I do with each costume that if I don't have a lot of passion for it, that is just not worth my time or money. I won't spend a penny or, or a minute on a costume that I don't love or, or from a character that I don't love. And so, yeah, because of the fact that I don't like comic books or, or video games or whatever, I stick to the movies that I grew up with and recently been doing a couple of new movies, too. Um, I have branched out once for a video game character and once for an anime because the conventions that I was guessing were specific to that. But uh, for the most part, they're always movies because I can relate to that. What was the uh, video game character? From Portal, and Portal 2, I did Wheatley. Uh, it was like, I guess, this little robot thing, and I just did it. It was just like a little one-week project that I had some extra time for a video game conference, and I did it, and I, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will say my favorite one is Falcor, because, yeah, Falcor. Definitely, Falcor. <laughs> oh my god. When my wife, Casey, showed me the Falcor costume, that's the one that just got me totally into looking through your stuff and seeing more of what you had done. Yeah. And then when we bumped into you at the theater that day, it was a very fanboy moment of actually getting to meet someone who had done something very cool like that, you know. Something dumb enough to wear that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Falcor was was a was a fun one, and I like started doing like I said, I started doing all these ones from my childhood, and uh, it was fun because I was emotionally involved in the time and the money that went into it. Um, and building it and seeing these things come back to life from my my imagination of who they were to me growing up. 
and then I was striking it so well with other people with these characters that I definitely had to do that one because, I mean, everybody wanted a luck dragon when they were a kid, and I just figured out because I never got one, I'd become one, and I did that one, and it was probably my most uncomfortable costume I've ever had to do, but it got a lot of love, and I got my miles out of it, and it's now been taken over by a new owner. It's been adopted. Um, so I don't have to put myself through that again, <laughs> but, uh, there's actually been talks about doing a little five foot version puppet of it. Um, now that I've been doing a lot of conventions, I'm getting a lot of table time to where I can sit at my booth and talk to people about building costumes and stuff like that. And I've had some display pieces of my costumes, but to bring out a head or, or a gauntlet piece or whatever to put on the table for somebody to see it is exciting if they know the whole costume, but we're thinking about like maybe turning it into puppets. So like do a five foot puppet of him for people to actually mm-hmm. get to pick up and, and mess with and, and see how the construction works. So the conversations can go further with more parts and more complete works. So people can be inspired to start their own projects too. And, and that's been a lot of fun. That's recently just over the past couple weekends and the past few cons, I've actually had booths where when I started doing this and started doing guests at conventions, I would have panels where I'd get an hour to go over slides and talk to people, but doing these booth things and having people come up and just spend as much time as they want with you at a convention and, and talk to you about things, aside from me walking around in costume when I can relax and actually get to actually meet people and talk with them and inspire and talk about processes and stuff like that. So that's a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, Falcor, I think we'll probably get a, a a 2.0 version uh, and just a small puppet scale. So he'll be back. That's very cool. That one I was actually really disappointed more I heard that it sold because I actually, that was the one that out of all of them, I wanted to see that one live. Yes. I saw you at the theater. You were in the Mars Attacks costume, which was incredible, by the way. But it was Falcor that was the one that I really wanted to see, so it was a little disappointing. Well, they have to make room for new ones. I only have so much space. Being able to pass them on, they are going to good people. They use them for charity events and stuff like that, and they're still being seen by other people. I wish I could collect most of them. I I wouldn't say all of them. There are some ones that I've gotten rid of, which I'm sad about. Um, but it does afford me the ability to make new costumes and learn from that build to expanding my skills for the next build. Um, and like I said, space is obviously a big time. I, I've been doing this for just two years, but I think I average at least one and a half costumes per month. So it, space becomes very limited. I've rented out storage and even that gets filled. So. Because my costumes, I mean, like I said, they're not just small costumes. They're they're big ordeals. They they at least take one forty five gallon tub per costume, and so yeah, it gets gets pretty crowded over there. <laughs> yeah, I bet you've only been doing this two years. <laughs> yes. Oh my god, that's insane! How did you learn how to build the costumes that you do? Where did you learn some of this stuff from? Because 
something that you're working on right now, you said took about 45 minutes to get done, and I'd look at it and go, okay, that would take me a day at least, you know? It's it's an ongoing process. It's a constant... I mean, part of the hobby of cosplay is, for me at least, learning to make these things. I mean, I've made cardboard box costumes as a as a kid um and done set work so i had a, growing up skills that i would acquire on being creative i guess is the first part wanting to create being motivated to create but as i've gone on i mean if you look at my first costume versus costumes now my time that it takes to make these things is sped up i'm learning new materials and stuff it first starts off with a lot of homework when i decide what i want to do i'll do a lot of research online finding reference pictures and stuff, and picking the parts apart. What do I want to use to make this part of the costume or whatever? YouTube is a huge resource, obviously. I'm doing a lot of homework and just picking it apart and watching videos on how to paint latex or how to glue hair to latex or punch hair to latex or or stuff like that. And just picking all the different pieces apart to, to make what would become that final figure. There's also online forums, the Replic Prop Forum, United Prop Builders, or even fandom specific. Like when I was doing my last creation, I turned a classic car that I grew up with, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, into a Transformer because I wanted that because I knew I loved that growing up and I wanted, like, how can I turn that into a costume? And I figured the Transformer was the obvious answer. Um, so just joining Transformer groups that are a bunch of people who build and love Transformers and just talking to them because it hadn't been done before, so there was no design. So deciding how I wanted to make it and not just build a car and take it apart and throw it onto a bodysuit wasn't going to work. I needed to figure out that I wanted it Generation 1, and I had to put a face to this iconic car that nobody had ever seen before and all this stuff that went into it. So when you get a lot of people that are passionate about Transformers in general or the diesel punks, out there, they have groups that are like that, and I, I started to make the the stylizing of the car because of the era more steampunk, diesel punk, or whatever. So I was getting a lot of feedback from them, and it also helps with the motivation um, of making these costumes. You get to a point where you put several weeks in, of work and hundreds of dollars into these things, start to get tired of it, or or you want to start working on a different project and leave it behind because you're just not motivated. But when you stay in touch with people that are watching your progress and cheering you on and uh, giving suggestions and stuff like that, uh, it helps you go. Um, but, yes, it, I didn't go to school for this. Uh, I'm self-taught, and I talk to many, um, whether they be online or at conventions. Uh, I'm constantly meeting other cosplayers and learning their processes. I'll run into a new friend cosplayer who's wearing a costume that I've never seen. We talk to each other. We're like, hey, that pauldron looks really great. How did you do it? Or what materials did you use to make this sword or whatever? And following other cosplayers online uh, on their cosplay pages and watching their progress, you learn tips and techniques. And so each costume I try to learn a new skill with. If I know I'm going to do this big build out of this material, I'm going to try that material a little bit on the current costume um, or even make a side project on it just so I can kind of get familiar with it. And then that kind of just turns into the completed process on the next one. I'm I'm a little bit more skilled in it. So it's an ongoing process. Um, I have a lot to learn. Um, I'm still doing things the cheating way as far as sculpting and stuff like that. You watch these shows online where they're got these big warehouses and they're 
building the clay molds and they're they're running back and forth miles to do the positive mold and then the negative mold and uh, then the slush cast and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I live in a little tiny studio where um, I don't have the ability space-wise or the ability to use those kind of chemicals because my bed's so close to my work table um, that I gotta find other ways to do it. So when I teach my panels uh, at conventions, I basically say this is stuff you can do on your kitchen table. Um, so finding ways to get the same results is, an, is another challenge as well, too. Yeah, just talking with lots of people and, and doing lots of homework. Then there's tons of resource materials, whether they be ebooks by other builders. YouTube, like I said, is a huge source. And then just meeting tons of other people that are into the hobby as well and, and getting their experience and, and learning from them. Nice. You do all the cosplaying. Do you still do, like, Halloween stuff? Yeah, Halloween, um, I, like I said, I've been doing this for two years, so it hasn't been too many Halloweens that I've missed. But the past two Halloweens, um, I don't build anything new for, because I have a year's worth of costumes to choose from. But I have a niece and nephew that are still really young, and so the trick-or-treating is definitely the uncle's job to go out with them. Especially the <laughs> uncle that has all the cool costumes. Uh, the first year I started doing this, I still had time to make costumes for them, which I've been doing in the past, and lately I've just been so busy with doing appearances and panels and stuff like that, that I don't have time to build these two other costumes on top of everything else for them, um, but I definitely go out with them to go trick-or-treating and they, they kind of feel proud walking around with this big mm -hmm. giant alien or whatever. <laughs> and so it's kind of cool. Plan to do that again this year. Um, I also uh, did a lot of work in haunted houses and stuff like that, so I have kind of a haunt family that I go and visit at least one of the weekends to go out and work in the house with them and scare them, <laughs> scare the people that go through. I haven't had time to like go back and do set building or whatever, but hopefully things will slow down in the near future to where I can go back to doing that. I've always been creative in my hobbies, but I haven't lasted long. Like Each hobby will last a couple of years, and then I'll get bored and go to another hobby. Um, I think this one, now that I'm at two years, I've gotten to my shelf life of it, but there's so many opportunities that are opening up for me that I'm kind of forcing myself to stay in it. Um, and the good thing about this is, though it's all considered cosplay, each costume is different. Um, each build is different, and so it's not, it's like refreshing that I'm not getting bored with doing the same thing over and over and wanting to choose a different hobby because one one costume I'll deal with latex and, and fabrics and, and and stuff like that and sculpting and the next one will be building things out of thermoplastics and, and metal and stuff like that or wood or whatever. So I can keep switching it up and keeping it fresh. I, I definitely know that there'll be at some point where I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm too old for this and move on to my next one. I don't know where to be or when, but it'll happen, I'm sure. Have you done any film work with this or have you thought about doing film work at all? Uh, no, I haven't done any film work. Um, I've met a few local, uh, independent film people and stuff like that. And they're always like, oh, I want you to help me with my next one. I, I get lots of people like that, but I just don't have time for it. Like I'm so focused on myself and, and building my own costumes that I don't have time to build somebody else's costumes. I have taken smaller prop commissions. I'm lucky enough to have Worked with Nike, they're a local company, so I got to do a couple props for them. And then through uh, the 
the company that I was with for the haunted house, they're opening up one of those uh, puzzle rooms, and I got to do some props for that. A lot of people are saying, hey, we're doing this stage adaptation of Wizard of Oz, or we're doing this, or whatever, and we've seen your creature work, and we would love it. I just don't have time to put everything that I'm doing down for long enough to be able to work on somebody else's project. And that's part of the point where I'm saying that it'll slowly end at a certain point where I'm done doing it. And then I have maybe that avenue to work through is doing commissions for other people. But right now, I just I don't have time for it. <laughs> yeah. Don't have time for that pesky yeah. film stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too fun go- having too much fun goofing around at conventions, playing dress up. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. What was the first Halloween costume that you remember that you got really creative with? See, the funny thing about me is I don't have a big memory. Well, oh. I don't have a memory at all. Um, I do remember, and this is well until like eight or nine years old, so I know I did other ones before then, but when I was pretty young, I saw Disney's The Rocketeer, um, and I made a backpack out of cardboard and duct tape and some screws and stuff like that, and it was basic and, and the nicest word, but... I remember watching that movie with my sister and my nephew and niece, um, and my sister had mentioned, hey, your your uncle made that costume for Halloween one year, and automatically I was signed up to make him that costume. Um, and I'm just like, ah, well, let's see, we can do this, this, and this. She goes, no, you, you just make it like you did. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm old enough to not make things out of cardboard and duct tape anymore. <laughs> so um, I had to make my nephew a, a Rocketeer costume, and it, and it turned out a lot of fun, but... Uh, the generation gap was so far that I think only two people recognized what he was, oh. and the rest of them figured he was just a, a, some type of spaceman or rocket man or whatever. But yeah, that was one of the earlier uh, memories I have for Halloween. Um, I always used to dig up the garden in front and put a little graveyard and, and dug up army crate with smoke coming out of it and stuff like that. I, I've always kind of done that, just decorating the house and stuff like that. But as far as costumes, I, I know one year when I was in elementary school, my, my mom sent me to school dressed as a warlock, and uh, the warlock was in a dress and a pointy hat, so it was a witch by all means. But uh, And everyone else told me I was dressed like a girl, but I was... Assuring everybody I was a warlock, so <laughs> that kind of scarred me. Um, I know Aww. also another thing that kind of scarred me as a kid, that but made me who I am today, is that uh, I remember my dad dragging me through a haunted house, kicking and screaming, and I didn't want to go in, and I held my eyes the whole time, and I was scared of everything, and he had me over his shoulder because I wouldn't go in, and he just dragged me the whole way, and I didn't see anything. I just knew I was there because, like I said, my eyes were closed, but... I think it was those kind of moments growing up that made me who I am, and now I have to be in the haunted houses scaring other people. Um, I enjoy doing that, but I, I don't enjoy going to a haunted house as a customer mm-hmm. uh, unless I know everybody that's acting in it. So I can go through my own, um, but going out of town to another one, uh, they still terrify me. I won't watch scary movies at a at a movie theater because I know that I don't like the scare jumps and stuff like that, and I know I'll scream. So I'll wait till they come home on uh on DVD and watch them then, because I, I mean, I need the material, I need the inspiration and the creativity. I just, I just don't like to be scared. It's kind of uh, weird like that. <laughs> oh, I hear you. But sometimes I'm weird and I'll go see it anyways. Yeah. But usually close my eyes or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
that's actually really similar to something that happened to me whenever I was a kid. I was probably uh, eight, somewhere in there. And we went to someone's house trick-or-treating. And uh, we walked up on the porch. And uh, someone had swung down off of the roof <laughs> onto the porch screaming. And I was absolutely terrified of haunted house or not even haunted houses, just anything to do with it. I didn't want anything to do with these yards because they just scarred me right there. And now, of course, I do the yards that yeah. scare the other people. <laughs> so it's like I've come full circle on it and I have a deep appreciation. But because of that, we always make sure to limit, even though we do the um, jump scares, we frighten people as they're coming up. If there's a kid below about 10, 11, something like that, you know, then you take it easy on them. Or if they're six or below, you don't mess with them. Yeah. Because, you know, I didn't like it where I was that young, where something came out of nowhere and really scared me. It it uh, messed with me quite a bit, so I didn't like that. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I, I was actually just uh, in Salt Lake City last weekend for their Comic-Con. And uh, one of my cosplays I have that I've had for around most of the time, which still sticks with me, is my Dark Crystal Skeksis costume. Yeah. Kids either love it or hate it. And the little ones that are scared of it, I'll lift my head up and show my face and say, hey, there's just a guy mm -hmm. under here and there's a bird on my head and kind of make them laugh and feel comfortable. So because their moms are demanding pictures with the kid next to me, and the kid doesn't want to go near me. So to speed up the process, I kind of calm them down. I got a uh, a little note from the mom saying, thank you. The little girl was so excited to go home to her grandpa and tell him that she got a picture with uh, one of the guys. And she thanked me for showing my face and making her comfortable. And that uh, she went up to her afterwards and, and told her that uh, I was uh, a nice skexy and not one of the mean ones from the movie. So, <laughs> so that was kind of, Aww. along those lines, it was kind of funny reminded me of that. Yeah, like, Halloween's huge for me, but, like, are you saying that it's, like, always been huge for you, or just not really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I love okay. it. Okay. Yay! <laughs> Yay! That's okay. why, I mean, that's why I do comic book conventions. That's why I started doing yeah. it. I, I Like I said, I, none of the things that they're about do I love other than the costumes. And and people might say that cosplay is, is taking over conventions and whatever. I think everything evolves, but... And I definitely noticed that just even the two years that I've been doing it, it's gotten a lot more popular. But for me, comic book conventions, anime conventions, whatever the convention is about, is just another Halloween for me. I get to make a costume. I get to go hang out with other friends that are in costume. Uh, we have parties at night. Um, and then we go from table to table and see all the vendors and see what they have to offer and everything. Um, and, and, and just do that where we're growing up that I only had that once a year in October and and now I get to do that on a monthly basis and so I guess everyone gets what they put into it everyone gets something different out of it and that for me is kind of like a, a little Halloween party except sometimes they last for weekends and in, in far off cities and you get the big hotel parties and stuff like mm -hmm. that so it's bigger than Halloween in some cases yeah. But uh, less chocolate. But uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, it's pretty much Halloween for me each time. Nice. Like, I'm so into Halloween that there's only been, like, one year that I've never dressed up. Yeah. Ever. And, like, I... 
I think it was, yeah, last year I did like a wind up doll and was able to like figure out how to make the wind up key actually wind up and That's spin cool. around. And a couple years ago I was like a headless Marie Antoinette with like the whole <laughs> bust above my head. And it was fun. Like now I'm like, hmm, maybe I should do this cosplay thing. I don't know. Yeah. Evan, if you have uh, some of those costumes still and there's a convention close by, just wear one of those and, and, and kind of familiarize yourself. Uh, I said earlier about the fact that I heard that you're supposed to dress up to go to these com- comic book conventions. That was a myth. I, mm-hmm. I have tons of friends at these conventions that don't do dress up, that aren't into cosplay, that are either the artists or the vendors or the uh, photography guys or whatever they might be. I have people that are still in the haunt industry that are just makeup artists or whatever. Um, and they don't get into dressing up, but they still come to these things and they're still just part of the family as any other cosplayers are. For anybody wanting to check out a convention, if there's one close by or one that you're going to be in that area for, you don't have to be dressed up to go yeah. check it out. Go go check it out and see what it is and you might fall in love with it and end up two years later still be doing it like I am. And it might not be your thing, but at least you'll know afterwards. True. Have you gone to the San Diego Comic-Con? Yeah, I was lucky enough to be brought on as a guest this year for San Diego. Um, and that is uh, not a starter con. That mm. is a major, major thing. It was a lot of fun, but tons and tons and tons of people. And it was always something going on. And uh, it was a, a very tiring con, but I loved every minute of it. I just signed on with Cosplay Cruises as one of their talents, and they're talking about doing adding another cruise to our agenda, but leaving from L.A. down to San Diego and staying in port for the convention. Um, So it sounds like I'm going to be able to get to go again for the next two years uh, with this cruise contract um, to the next two San Diegos. But if not, I'm going to find some way to get back there because that was definitely one of the highlights of this year so far. It was getting to go to that. Oh my gosh, it's my dream to go to to San Diego Comic-Con. I haven't been to like any con, actually. I've only, like, when I was 10, I went to, like, two... Okay, I've been into cons. I've been to two Star Trek conventions when oh, I was, okay. like, 10, but it's been a long time. They have one this weekend that I'll be a guest at in Eugene, which is about an hour drive. Like I said, the Portland just had theirs two weeks ago that, that yeah, unfortunately missed out. There's another one the week before Halloween. Um, they have one in Yakima, Washington, which I'll be guesting. There's a lot of cons within driving distance, or short driving distance, actually. But as far as Portland-specific, we have Rose City, we have Wizard World, we have Retro Gaming Expo, which people are starting to cosplay at these uh, gaming conventions. I, I've done PAX Prime the past two years as a cosplay guest for a video conference, a video game conference, where cosplay years ago was not even a thing, and now it's so much of a thing that... They're paying for me to be there as a cosplay guest to talk about cosplay. So cosplay and costuming in general is definitely taking over the scene. Um, and uh, like I said, it's, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just an evolving thing. That's where we're going to wrap it up for this part of the interview. The rest should be up if everything goes according to plan on Halloween. Uh, It's a few days early. I know we normally post on Tuesdays, but I thought I'd give you guys a little Halloween treat. We'll hear the rest of the interview with Brian Wells. Oh man, let's talk about films. So this week, Mitch and I are reviewing the movie Troll Hunter. 
a quaint Norwegian film, a found footage film, quite suspenseful, trolls. So, we have some college students named Thomas, Johanna, and Cal. So they are investigating some poaching going on and some bears dying, getting killed. And uh, these hunters are like, what's going on? All these bears, bleh, I want to hunt. And there's a poacher. And so they're like, oh, we're going to interview this poacher. You're going to go find him and interview him and ask him all these questions. So they find him. His name is Hans. And he's, uh, he's like, get lost, you guys. No, go away. And then uh, they're very persistent, very persistent. And they, like, pretty much bug him you know, with an actual bug, like microphone bug, and listen to his conversations on the phone and follow him to the woods, deep, deep, deep into the woods. He's like, hey dudes, I'm a troll hunter. And they're like, what? You believe in trolls? What? Who are you? And uh, they're like, well, we'll just, you know, still figure stuff out and you know, enjoy the ride and see where this takes us because this is interesting, you know. So trolls do exist. Yes, they do. They see it with their own eyes that trolls exist and they're scary and smelly and smelly and gross. <laughs> and uh, pretty much stuff happens and uh, there's a lot of trolls and running away and he hunts them and they join him and do things because we don't want to say too much yeah that works and there's bad guys that are saying no 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 don't film us no 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 government no security we don't want people to know and be scared and stuff and they're like we're gonna take your video footage away kids they're like uh whatever we're gonna still film (laughs) so in the beginning of the movie they pretty much are at this point thinking that it's just a uh, poacher that they're after. And they quickly find out that there is more to the story than what they initially thought. And it's interesting because the government is using the bear poaching as a guise for the troll attacks to try and cover it up. It's being covered up by the troll security services. It's a very interesting uh, film. What did you think about the uh, found footage aspect? I haven't decided if I like found footage yet or not. That's like only the second or third one that I've seen in found footage. And I thought it was okay, but to me the found footage aspect kind of took me out of it a little bit more. Because I was constantly looking at it thinking, well, if you're face-to-face with a troll, are you really going to be that focused on your camera? I think you might be (laughs) more interested in trying to survive the experience, you know? Right. But, you know, one of my favorite found footage films and films in general is the movie Cloverfield. (laughs) Why, you know, it's the same kind of thing, and... It's really, to me, with found footage films, if it's done well, if the story works and that it seems, you know, realistic enough, I'd say it works. I mean, this one, it did okay, but yeah. Again, the camera thing. Mm, Why would you keep that with you when trolls are after you and, you know, just like freaking leave the camera and run 
and go to safety. What? Well, yeah, I thought it was interesting that there were a few scenes where they're running from it, but they're still doing a pretty good job of keeping the troll on camera, and (laughs) it seemed a little unrealistic at that point. One thing I thought about was, yeah, sure, there's the people that are professionals, like for National Geographic, or, you know, where they go to, like, dangerous situations, like, and still have the camera going. I mean, sure, if a lion or if something was happening, they probably would <laughs> turn off the camera and run. So Or just run. Or just run. But I'm just thinking, like, some people are really dedicated, but these were just Colors amateurs. <laughs> amateurs, yeah. So it was like, hmm, yeah, no. <laughs> the one thing on the phone footage that... I thought was interesting but distracting at the same time was at one point the camera gets destroyed and it's still working but there's a crack in the screen and at that point the crack was very distracting but because it constantly reminded you of what it was um, that it's a found footage and it's blah 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 and that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. In a way, I guess it kind of added a touch of, oh, this is actually an event that happened. As far as things that were a little unrealistic, most of it I thought was pretty good. The trolls weren't bad. They did a pretty good job with the animation of the trolls and everything. Here was my one thing. And mind you, this comes from a makeup artist aspect and very interested in the set and making sure that things that you put on the set actually look like they belong there. They used the same bear carcass in several scenes. Okay. Now, of course, this is not a actual bear. This is a stuffed, it looked like it was probably a bear suit or something. My issue was the face on it. The face itself looked like a bear, but then they had the tongue hanging out at such a weird angle that it made it look like a stuffed animal. And the nose on it looked like a teddy bear nose. And my thought on it was, if you have something that looks good except from one angle, why would you show a close-up of the one angle that makes it look bad? But they did that in every scene throughout the movie that had the bear carcass in it. So it was like, "Mm, alright, let's pull back from that a little bit. But other than that, mind you, this is all in, I believe, Norwegian. So everything's in subtitles. This part of it kind of added an interesting problem because now... As you're watching the movie, if anything else happens, you've got to pause the movie in order to talk on the phone to whoever is calling because all of a sudden everyone wanted to talk to me at the same time. It kept taking me out of it because I couldn't just watch the movie and do the other thing I needed to do at the same time. I actually had to be very focused on the movie, which in a way is okay as long as you're not being constantly pestered, you know? Yeah, I had to deal with my cat. (laughs) next time uh just try to watch it in my room or something and lock the cat out because meow all the time and meow all the time especially when you have the subtitles i think it you've got to stay focused on the subtitles or else you're going to miss what's actually being said 
That being said, I thought they did a pretty good job with the acting. Now, not knowing the language, I can't tell you whether it was actually true to the language and if it felt real to them. But I thought overall, not knowing the language, it felt pretty real overall. What did you think about that aspect of it? So, with the subtitle part, yeah, it. I'm okay with it because... I've watched foreign films here and there, and I get you that you have to stay focused the whole time or else you're going to miss something. But I'm used to that also with watching, you know, Lost or those crazy shows that just uh, if you look away for two seconds, something's going to happen, you're going to miss it, and you'll be really confused. Yeah, I haven't watched too many foreign films or subtitled films, so other than when I just can't understand what's being said on screen, so I have to put the... uh captions on which happens on occasion if they have the music up a little too loud over the dialogue a lot of times for me it makes it very difficult to understand what's being said so I end up having to put that up but besides that I really enjoyed it and once I got into the flow of the subtitles it wasn't too bad until someone actually did interrupt me to where I had to focus on something else for a minute and then have to pause it back up that kind of thing but okay so let's talk about the trolls for a minute well it was interesting how he had Hans had it already like the troll stench because they didn't want to go you know rip off their clothes and bathe in the the uh the water in the lake or something and they were like no we'll just do the the easy way out and get this stinky troll stench all over us yep Okay. Well, I think initially they were supposed to go bathe and then put the the troll stench on because they wanted to get rid of as much of the human scent as possible. Right. They didn't really show that aspect of it at all. They just kind of all of a sudden they're putting it over their clothes or underneath their clothes, but they're not actually going and bathing like you had originally told them. Well, the first troll... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's CG, but I still felt like he had three heads called the Tosser Lad, three head dude. And I guess it was like, what, they're born with one head and then the others grow there, but they're more like, not really part of it, like to where it's another brain and all that. It's just to scare off other trolls, but it's there. Yeah, it's basically having, um... Additional heads that are more like uh, just an extra limb. There's no intelligence to them. There's no intelligence to any trolls anyways, but okay. Um, the other aspect of it was for mating. The more heads that you had or the bigger the heads, the uh, more attractive you were to the female of the species there, so... Yep, really attractive. Mm-hmm. Well, to a uh, female troll, you know, that's pretty hot. I don't know. <laughs> yep. So the other one uh, was the Ringle Finch. That was the uh, bridge troll. Poor sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... Uh, were they sheep or goats? There were both. There was oh. sheep and goats. And goats. Yeah, they kind of took a beating in this movie. 
I don't know if you saw it, but at the end of the movie, in the credits where normally it says no animals were harmed in the making of this film, instead of that it said no trolls were harmed in the (laughs) making of this film. I thought that was kind of funny. The next troll was the... The Dovergubben, possibly. And uh, these were brown. They had, like, brown fur. And uh, they were in, like, a cave dwelling, and it was creepy. Yeah, they had a nice little cave, and they were... uh, They actually lived in a pretty large group rather than individually in that situation. Most of the other ones were kind of singled out and on their own. Um, there weren't more than one in one immediate area, but on that one, there were, uh, I don't know, a couple dozen living in that one, living in that one cave. The last troll on the list that they showed us is the Jotnar. It's a giant, giant, giant troll. It was huge and, uh, the, the largest troll on the list, basically. How tall did they say that one was? Do you remember? I did not catch that, but I did see the car was, like, smaller than his foot, so... (laughs) Pretty tall. Yeah, I thought overall they did a pretty good job with the... with the CG on the trolls. They were... I mean, you're not talking a blockbuster $500 million movie, so obviously they're not going to have as much uh, really impressive CGI as what some of them might, but I thought they did a pretty good job getting them, uh, uh, getting the trolls CGI'd in, and they were fairly interesting and realistic looking. They all had really big noses, and I thought the overall design of the trolls was, each of the species of trolls had a very unique look to them, and so that was... uh, Kind of interesting to see where they went with each different style. And really, I think, in some of the scenes, the uh, CGI for the trolls, I thought, uh, met or exceeded the troll scene in the original, very first Harry Potter movie. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking of too, yeah. I mean, they were probably just as good as that, so... You know, you're talking two different levels of money right there, so that's mm. that's not bad. You know, they did a pretty good job of it overall. Yeah. I will say it was pretty interesting. His weapon of choice was this flashing thing, uh, <laughs> this flashing light that's basically UV rays because uh, the trolls, uh, once they are exposed to the sun, they pretty much die. Well, can I say how they die? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, once they're exposed to the sun, they either turn to stone, or... They explode. <laughs> yes. And that was pretty nasty. Yeah. So, the other thing they threw in there, which I thought was interesting, was they were actually concerned with the health of the trolls. They weren't going out and killing the trolls uh, just outright. They were only killing them if they left their... Uh, immediate area where they were supposed to be at. They had various things set up to contain them in a given area. As long as they stayed within their area, they let them go ahead and live. But if they started attacking people or whatever, 
that was the point at which they would step in and kill the um, rogue troll off. They were actually, they were concerned with the health of the trolls, which I thought was a unique uh, look at it. And it kind of a monster movie like this basically was. You would expect them to say, oh, just kill all of them and be done with it. But that's not what they wanted to do. Did this movie, did, uh, did the movie scare you at all? Like, did you feel, like, suspense? I was going to well, mention, I guess, why I'm mentioning this. So, I guess, I when I was watching the movie, I was thinking... You know, oh, this isn't really that scary, you know, like, trolls, meh. Well, I was watching it on my laptop, so smaller screen, but still, it was right there in front of me. The lights were off. And so I was sitting on the couch, which is uh, facing the front door, and the front door is, like, what, like, five feet away from, away from me, and uh, my roommate went out for a smoke, and then... Of course, it was, like, a suspenseful part with trolls running after the people. And he comes through the door. Or, you know, well, it doesn't sound like that. But, you know, it just totally freaked me out. I'm like, I guess this movie is building some suspense in me. Hmm, okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing that got to me was where we live at, we have a lot of tall trees around us and... Um, it was dark when I'm watching this movie and then I have to go outside to walk our dog and the whole time I'm walking the dog I'm going past this uh, forest with all the nice tall trees and everything that looked remarkably like what I was just watching in the movie <laughs> so I'm looking up at the trees thinking oh well yeah I'm right in troll territory here it sure kind of feels like it in the moment you know it's because that's what you're thinking about in the moment. You know, we watch a zombie movie, and then when you go outside, you're thinking zombies. So it did kind of set up your mind to go, well, what if this does exist? Or, you know, hey, what's in that forest right there that I've got to walk by? Creepy forest. <laughs> well, I guess I could say, like, oh, yeah, you know, Thomas gets scratched by a troll in the beginning of the movie, and it's like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen to him. Is he going to turn into a troll? Something, I don't know. My mind just was like, what's going to happen to this kid? Because something's going to happen, and something kind of does. Well, kind of, yeah. I'm surprised they actually didn't take that further. But, you know, where my mind was going when they found out what was causing all the sickness, I was kind of thinking, well, hmm. I don't think he's going to survive that experience if they don't get him to a doctor, like, right now, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay, so overall, what did you think of the movie? Did you uh, enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I mean, it's something, when someone asks about found footage, I'll you know, type of movies, I'll be like, well, that you know, that one works, you know, but I'm not, like, putting it in my, like, top ten list or anything, but it was it was enjoyable, you know? Yeah, it's one I think I could actually watch again at some point, you know. I'm kind of in the same uh, boat on that one. I don't think it's one that I'll watch all the time by any means. But, you know, I could pull it out again and not have an issue with it. So, one to five, what do you think? Uh, Probably like a four. Four stars. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I think it, for me, probably ranged uh, 3.5, somewhere in there. 
So there were a couple things that were a little too distracting and kind of took away from it, but overall I think it was pretty good and it's definitely one that I would pull out again. So, you know, it's well worth the watch. Our next movie that we will be reviewing will be Halloween. The 1978 version, not the newer one. Although I must say I do enjoy the newer version as well. I realize some people might find that offensive, but I thought they did a pretty good job on the remake. So, you know, it's not too bad, but we'll be covering the uh, original Halloween, where it all started. And if everything goes according to plan, we may actually post the podcast a couple of days early just so that we can get it up on Halloween thought that'd be appropriate yes hey listeners be sure to follow us on twitter at film underdogs or go on to our facebook page film underdogs be sure to follow us on itunes or stitcher beyond pod whatever podcast player you use we'll be there always remember to follow your dreams and stay inspired You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it.